2: Alex, we're doing a bonus episode. Yeah. You know why? Why? MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred admits League never intended to play more than 60 games despite nearly two months of negotiations with players. Emergency pod to talk about a Rob Manfred quote? What do you think? I'm all here for it. Not not only emergency pod to talk about a Rob Manfred quote.
0: Emergency pod to talk about a Rob Manfred quote that we predicted was coming in our last episode two days ago. 48 hours ago, yes.
2: Yep, uh, No, I'm kidding. We're not doing an emergency <laughs> podcast about that. As you could probably tell from the title of this episode, we are doing a bonus podcast to talk to an amazing documentary filmmaker, Emma Ryan Yamazaki, the director of Koshien, Japan's Field of Dreams. Uh, some of you listening might have seen this on ESPN. It aired on Monday night. Um, if you didn't see it, check out the possibility that it might re-air on ESPN or uh, follow along closely to Emma on Twitter or to us on Twitter, we will be boosting that whenever it becomes available on streaming services worldwide.
0: For those of you who don't know, Koshien is uh, is about the national high school baseball tournament played every year in Japan, um, and this film follows a couple teams around as they as they try and make it to the to the championship and. Um, but it's more than just about baseball. It goes it goes far beyond that, as uh, as you will learn in this interview with Emma. So we really had a great time chatting with her.
2: It's actually like the, the film made in a tipping pitches lab. Like it is the exact film that we want made all the time about a myriad of things around the world. And she did it so incredibly well. So we're so thankful that she came on our stupid little podcast and um, made the film that you like pitched two months ago. If anybody listened to our documentary, Dream Documentary episodes. With, uh, with Kyle Banduho. Um, so let's let's not put this off any longer. Let's go talk to Emma Yamazaki. Okay, Alex, we are joined by Emma Yamazaki, director of Ko um, which is a film that just showed on ESPN. We hope a lot of people have already watched it. If they haven't, it'll be available on streaming services coming soon. Emma, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Um, we're so excited to talk to you. Actually, I want to just spoil maybe one of Alex's questions coming up now. Um, <laughs> we did a we did a podcast ab- about 6 weeks ago pitching ideal baseball documentaries that we wanted to be able to watch and we didn't know that your film existed because, you know, we're dumb Americans that didn't know that it had already showed last year um and it hadn't come to <laughs> us as <laughs> in our uh, American market yet, but we found out that your film existed. We were very excited to see it. And we're very excited to talk to you. And Alex actually pitched a very similar idea to what you made. So yeah, we
0: we were sitting here just having a back and forth discussion. And I was like, ah, I would I would love to see a documentary about like the culture around like Japanese baseball and like the Koshian tournament. It's very different from America. God, I wish someone would make that. And uh, turns
2: out you and already Emma, made it. Emma,
0: you, yeah, exactly.
2: Um, <laughs> wow, well, yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to ask you just as kind of like a starter question, um, this idea, when did it germinate for you and when did it start to really get legs as something that you thought was doable as a documentary, um, as a feature documentary as well, as opposed to a series documentary? And then when did you kind of put that idea in motion where you were determined, I am definitely going to make this documentary?
1: Right, right. Um, well, you know, growing up in Japan, you can't, it's like unavoidable, like Koshin is unavoidable. And I happened to actually grow up like 15 minutes from Koshin Stadium. So also just like, it was just something that was in my life. Um, But actually, you know, for almost 10 years um, from after high school, I lived in New York City, you know, I only came to Japan to visit family, things like that. Um, I don't, in New York, I was, you know, making films as a filmmaker, but I started to really feel like I, I want to go back to Japan, you know, and start making, telling stories about the place I grew up, which, you know, when I was growing up, I wasn't as, you know, I'm half, I'm half British, half Japanese. And I, I just felt sometimes like I'm not very comfortable here. But having left Japan and living in New York, I really started to see like the great things about Japan that I took for granted, like chains come on time, like, you know, people line <laughs> up, like, just generally people are cons- considerate of one another, I think, in a way that obviously was, just lacking a little bit in New York and I just realized <laughs> so started to like my eyes started to open and I was trying to capture something that, you know, kind of in this honeymoon phase back in Japan, this kind of this feeling of like things that even Japanese people don't see as great because it's so normal, but actually like portraying, you know, that that side of Japan and also like just a more complicated of japan you know i know we have sushi we have anime but we have other things and sometimes those stories get like don't just don't reach outside of japan so i was kind of looking for for something and um, my first year back in tokyo you know i saw and the 99th koshien tournament that summer and it's been a decade since i'd seen it and i just you know everywhere i went whether it was like a business meeting i had or like a restaurant you know it's on tv on tv on tv and everybody's just like there's nothing else during those two weeks and i remembered how exciting it was and when I found out it was going to be the 100th tournament the following year, um, I was like, maybe, maybe we can do this. I mean, it was, you know, no one like the, the, the baseball union had never let really like outside media you know or even inside media to kind of follow as intimately as we were able to so we didn't know what we were ahead like up against when, when we were like let's do this but um we figured out a way i just thought it was like a perfect venue to portray those kind of extreme japanese values and you know we always know there's a beginning and an end because the season starts, and then at some point, someone wins, or more likely, someone loses, and so that's a great arc for a doc. We could like set a time frame and go for it. So that's always like a great way to set out to to make a documentary.
0: When you say the the baseball union, can you talk yeah, that about? that perked my ears too. <laughs> can you talk yeah, about that but, a little more? Because it's really interesting. Because we're talking about high school baseball here, and, wait, wait, and wait. in the U.S., it feels like very <laughs> amateur. us. like who cares? Follow around a high school baseball team, you will probably be pretty bored.
2: <laughs> we can't even get a union for minor leaguers here, and they're professional <laughs> baseball players. So yeah, we want to hear more about that.
1: Right, I think the actual official name is like the high school baseball federation um they're this body that is just for you know all the high school sports is different like kind of group um this is like just for high school baseball and you know they they really are like an educational like their educational focus they really are this organization that like organizes and hosts these tournaments because it's part of education like and they're very kind of that's their thing there's a lot of restrictions on exploiting the kids too much and and that's kind of the reason that you know often like media requests you know that are not part of their general like the broadcaster broadcasts the games and does some interviews and then like there's a streaming like newspaper actually the Asahi newspaper is actually like the ones that started it 100 years ago over 100 years ago and so they get some access but otherwise it's very kind of about all about protecting the kids protecting the game which totally makes sense um so but there's like a very i mean it's like a big operation <laughs> like there's like offices every in every prefecture there's a central office in osaka where this near the stadium and they are yeah they're i mean right now they've had to make a lot of tough decisions this year because coaching is canceled but they're still trying to you know um get some of the kids who are supposed to play in the, the spring play there for like an exhibition game so they've really tried to think what, what they can do in this time too
2: your previous documentary before this was about the creators of Curious George. I'm wondering, with such a hard pivot to something about sports, which is a very loaded term to mean what a sports documentary could be, and there's so much history there with a very certain style of a sports documentary. When you were sitting down and thinking, I'm about to make a sports documentary, were you thinking about other, other types of sports documentaries, or were you thinking more, this is more of an intimate kind of humanistic portrait of people?
1: I mean, I I knew I was making a documentary that involved sports, baseball, of course, but I think I actually honestly approached it, you know, as I was saying before, I was looking for like a venue or like an arena to kind of explore these themes about Japan and I landed with baseball. So I wasn't like, I really actually did all that I could to like, you know, get, make sure the film is interesting, even if you don't care about baseball. I mean, it maybe yeah. it's not about baseball or Japan, but if you if are like interested in Japan, you want to see a different side of it. I feel like we tried to kind of tie it into society, so it's almost like a microcosm of society itself. And so, yeah, I mean, I knew I was going to be a, a sports film, but um, yeah, just trying to really, you know go the extra mile to kind of tie into the, the larger themes about life and society and things that you know like non-sports people would i find interesting as well
2: yeah i mean that was that was something that in my brain i'm like i was sitting down i'm like i miss baseball so much i'm ready to see baseball on my screen and then it immediately just started accessing this part of my brain that's like more focused towards almost like academic ethnography right like you're following culture you're following an event you're following people and learning more about them and then of course we also get to see them play games and compete so that was really exciting kind of dual aspect of the of the doc for me
0: yeah i was i was really fascinated by some of the some of the uh information early on in the in the documentary about um baseball's roots in japan right and it followed a, a totally different um path to to the place that it is now than it did in america right where it's a very much like a leisure sport it's very much um escapist right it's this you come home from from work and you watch baseball to just relax and turn off um and it seemed like what you were getting at is that in in japan it's very much it it kind of came up side by side with that right like coming from the tradition of martial arts, right? And it being instilled in kids as like this, um, this ritualistic thing that they did. Um, I'm curious kind of how you saw that reflected in your, in your documentary filmmaking and kind of how you tried to, um, tried to, I guess, portray that accurately.
1: Yeah. um, So like you mentioned, you know, the history of baseball in Japan is totally different from Japan. I mean, that's going back between Japan and, the US, New York, over these past few years. You know, it's crazy how both countries kind of like, you know, it's the pastime in the US. Like, Japan also is like the national sport, yet yeah, it's like so, the versions of the sport is, could not be more different sometimes. It's like, is it the same sport? Um, and that I think has to do a lot with how, how, what happened to the, to baseball when it came into Japan, which was in like the 1870s. You know, Japan was a closed country for like 250 years. The country opened up and people started to come. Actually, it was like a, like a school teacher from the US that came as a teacher and then started teaching his students baseball. But at the time in Japan, there was no such thing as sports, like the concept of sports. I mean, we still call it sports because there's no Japanese word for it. We had to like adapt to it. But at the time, the only thing that people could relate it to was martial arts, which we always had. So baseball was declared a martial art and incorporated into, like, youth education. So it started at, like, more the university level, where those that um, those American teachers were teaching it, but then gradually seeped down into, you know, high school-age kids. And by, you know, the like in, by the end of the 19th century, baseball was, the form of Japanese baseball was being played all across the country, and Koshien starts in 1915. It's in the, I think, 1936, when professional baseball starts in Japan. So it's not even like side by side, like amateur student baseball started earlier and it was only when Babe Ruth came to Japan in the thirties and people went wild that I guess someone had the idea that, Oh, we can like make money off of baseball <laughs> games. It was, it really came after, which I think is why, you know, um, the sport is the way it is. There's still a lot of focus on education and like not over you know like commercializing this although you know it's on national broadcast but like there's still all these rules in place to make sure that it like it doesn't like become this whole crazy like commercial thing um so yeah and i think the a big reason we picked um we one of our the schools you follow was in yokohama and the area there was a port area that all of this was coming in in the the 19th century like the yokohama is the port that a lot of outside culture came in initially into japan so well, first, that was why we looked at that area. We don't feature it as much in the film as we would originally uh, thought we would, but that, that's also behind the logic of why we end up in, the, in a school in Yokohama. That's why that area is still like one of the hottest, most competitive um, regions of, of Japanese baseball as well.
2: So I think you might have alluded to something right there that you don't feature it as much as you might have thought you were going to. I know that just from listening to you talk in other places that you followed a bunch of different teams and you had to make decisions about which ones you wanted to include as the main subjects of the film. I want to know, just for you and how you envisioned it going into the film and then in the editing room, what is the t- what was the toughest edit and what was the thing that changed more than you expected it to?
1: Yeah, I mean, so we actually, you know, in our final film is this two schools. We actually followed four schools, although the other, the third and fourth school that's not in the film, we didn't follow as much. I would say we ended up with the, the first two that we hoped we would include. It's just like, we just wanted some of the schools we followed to make it to koshi And like, if I all the teams never made it, like, what are we doing? And it's so hard to like plan for that because it's a single elimination game. And so, you know, it progress. was, it was very hard. And these schools are not close together. We're like driving, you know, hours in between. And, you know, on a, daily or, you know, sem- like like not, yeah, basically daily basis deciding like where should we go tomorrow based on what we were hearing, you know, the teams being, hey, like, this kid we're following, my, you know, got hurt. Like we just didn't know. We had, you know, we had 300 hours of footage, right? And so actually, and I'm an editor. I edit, edit all my films, including this one. And so uh, when I, when we finished and it was only then that actually I even realized that Mizutani, who is the coach of the main Yokohama Hayato High School would be our main character. I mean, there was like so many possibilities. It could have been a kid or um, we could have included all other schools and not be as focused, kind of been like, you know, had more kind of sideways, like expansion of the story versus like more like straight, you know, with the two schools. So there was many different decisions. I mean, there's so many wonderful things that we couldn't include in the film. Um, Especially I would say because we picked the coach as kind of the main character i mean we do feed just some of the kids but we filmed even on the hayato team like with like you know 20 seniors you know like that they could have been characters in their own way they each have their own story and there was lots of emotions ups and downs and we were there for like each beat of it so it's hard to realize that all of those had to kind of be embodied by a couple of kids not we just couldn't like you know especially because even for japanese people the kids with the shaved heads, they all look very similar. So I like just, knew it was a film, it's like hard to, you know, like have like many, 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 many kids that people are supposed to follow. So it was hard to kind of let go of those. stories. just other, you know, wonderful. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of wonderful things with the kids that um, we have, but we, 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 are not in the film. You,
0: you mentioned the, the shaved heads, um, which is something I wanted to touch on. First of all, the, the idea, um, of the whole team shaving their heads to kind of unify this, this body body and unify this soul. Um, I mean, there's a lot to, to take away from there that I feel like diverges from American baseball, which is feels very individualized and you're mostly playing for yourself and to advance yourself. And, um, and so that team aspect um, really, I think caught my attention. Um, there's a part of, Uh, near the end of the film where one of the coaches starts to relent on that policy, um, and mentions getting, you know, basically getting with the times. And that's a conversation that we have about. American baseball as well, right? It's like, there's this internal culture that is really fighting with itself between that old and the new. And you, and you portray that happening a little bit in, in Japanese uh, high school baseball as well. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about that? And if, if it was something that like all the teams were, were wrestling with?
1: Yeah. Um, so as, as you said so well like you know so it's a big aspect of high school baseball I mean it is represented. In the shaved heads that everybody shaves heads for team unity or I mean I got so many different answers like there's no official rule it's not like the federation says you must have shaved heads it's never been that way but it's always the case that 99.9% of the kids who play high school baseball have shaved heads and you know, like our coach says in the film, it's like, well, if you have time to like dry your hair, blow dry your hair, you better swing your bat. You know, there's like different <laughs> reasons why coaches say
2: they they Great, great quote. <laughs> That's an incredible, so many incredible lines from all of the coaches. They they speak in metaphors and they speak so, I just like, we baseball players in America don't talk like that. They all sound like idiots. They all say, repeat the same dumb phrases all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're very like, they're all into the metaphors, um, not just for the film, but just in their coaching. But, um, but I think, you know, also just like the idea that you know, imagine like the two schools we featured with the two, which are two popular schools for baseball. They're not like the smaller programs, but each had like 120 kids in the program, and 20 20 students get to ever play in a game, and, the other, and in the summer, and then all the other kids, they they're, they take their roles of like cleaning the. Clean, sweeping the fields like cleaning the toilets like these are all goals that they do saying it's for the team even if they never play in an official high school baseball game in the three years they're there so it's like a lot about team dedication um in terms of the shaved heads yeah i mean when when we were filming the 100th tournament it was still like not a thing at all that like schools have like all schools have shaved heads basically and then at the end of the season when um, Otani's alma, alma mater, um, Hanamaki Higashi High School, that coach decided to say, okay, no more, because he couldn't, he could no longer, like, justify, he couldn't have a good answer to why, like, the kids had to have shaved heads to play baseball and be for the team. Like, he's, he's not saying, like, okay, now free reigns. He just felt like, you know, this, the, the same education can be done and be like a team mentality without this restriction that I think sometimes is a barrier to kids who want to, Continue playing baseball, but they don't want a shaved head. It's like, you know, the, you lose some population with that. I think everybody's seeing that in Japan. You know, baseball, though, is very, very popular. I think, kind of like in the US, like it's kind of losing some of the athletes to other, other more popular, you know, sports like soccer, you know, basketball is coming up in Japan. So I think there's like a kind of a little bit of a concern there. And I think what happened was after that influential coach Sasaki declared that, you know, by the next summer, this is 2019, um, I would say I saw like, four or five schools at Koshian. So the top schools that made it to the nationals, they didn't have they didn't necessarily have shaved heads. You know, so that was a very quick change. Like at first, as like you said, he got so many complaints, calls, especially from like the grandpas of, you know, the like the, the grandpa <laughs> generation who's like could not imagine high school baseball without shaved heads. But gradually people, you know, it's the same team. They just still doing as well. They're like as well mannered. It's just like the hair... and it's not no one's like having crazy long hair it's like a little just a little bit longer (laughs) um and actually by now you know um I just found out like a couple of weeks ago that Mizutani the other the other coach that we feature who is much more traditional who was saying that line about you know you know swing your bat if you you're taking care of your hair he announced that um his students don't have to have shaved heads so that that's in two years you know I mean still the majority is all shaved heads but I think and we feature this because, like you said, it just just uh, captures the changing, you know, the changes being made to high school baseball. It's not just the way it's always been. I mean, I think it was for a long time, the way it's always been for, like, 50 years after the war. Like, no one was really, you know, making any changes. But in the past few years, whether it's because it's, like, people just think it's like a little too extreme, some of it. And it's getting so much hotter in the summer that there's like concerns about like these kids, like, yeah. And, you know, um, and there's like news flashes about like, it's, it's too hot, please stay inside on the same like screen on TV as like Koshy and like the kids are mm-hmm. playing. Yeah. So um, there's all sorts of things that I think are being considered to, you know, adapt the game to make sure that it, it can, you know, you know, keep what's good, hopefully though. And, but, you know, evolve to like kind of adjust the times
0: if If only the gatekeepers of American baseball looked at their own regressive cultures and said, "We can't actually justify why any of this is in place, so maybe we'll get rid of it.
2: Yeah, seriously i uh I wanted to ask a question along that line too there's you know there's an emerging conversation in America amongst fans and media about um how exclusionary baseball is for a lot of different people, for women, for people of color, for queer folks for For basically anybody who didn't grow up as an affluent white male. (laughs) And there's a five to 10 minute stretch in the movie where you're talking, um, you're interviewing Mizutani, um, his wife, and his sister about their business and how challenging it is that he's spending so much time on baseball. And then there's, of course, it's impossible not to notice the lack of women on the field and around the diamond and involved in the actual game itself. I'm wondering how you balance. how much of that you included, how much of that conversation you felt like was germane to telling the story the first time through. And, you know, because to me, that's like, that could have been a whole documentary, those conversations and and some of those feelings that they were sharing. So as a filmmaker, um, as a Japanese woman, like, how were you thinking about that when making the film and and determining how much of that was going to be part of that conversation?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, high school baseball, as of right now, girls can't participate. I mean, they have girls teams then have their own version but it's not it's just like not nothing compared to the boys And it's not like a well-skilled female can like join the boys team like the rules don't allow it there's actually some actually even crazier sexist rules that have been you know up for debate in the few years where like some of the, the girl managers like the girls who like help with the scoreboard and, and things they're not even allowed on quotient field <laughs> just like um you know, in sumo, like women are not allowed on like the dojo, like this type of thing that's like always been in place. And there was recently an incident where like a, like one of the girls ran on for for, for something and it was like a huge news, but there's also like backlash. So that's being changed, um, thankfully, but it's we kind of, that's where we are. Um, the girls that we did film and interact were these kind of helper girls that, you know, come to those high schools to do that role of like, you know, doing the support, like, you know, I mean the, the boys clean too, but like just kind of being the right hand of the the coaches, like if there's guests and they need to like you know take care of them things like that. very like female roles, and even that in in Hayato uh, one of the schools it was like an initiation where they have to like stand in one place for one month and observe everything that's happening before they're allowed to touch or do anything. So it's also very rigorous, and there's like a program about it that we filmed. We we just couldn't include it in the film, but I think yeah the I mean what we en- I ended up having to do was the lack of women girls in on the field in, in the, the main part of the film is kind of like a statement of, of what's going on, but also Completely. Um, I, you know, if you see in the film and as you alluded to, like all the uh, supporting roles, I mean, not just in the film, but like, you know, he's wife and like, you know, his sister and mother, um, you know, the, these are characters that you know. Without that them support, he couldn't do what he's doing. You know, I mean, he was supposed to take over his family business. You know, and he said, "Just let me play baseball for five years." I mean, uh, do we be a coach for five years. And his mom's like, "That was thirty years ago." <laughs> his mom is in in her eighties now, still in charge of the company because he won't come home. And at this point, I think he's um they've given up on him. There's a different plan in place. Um, he's his son. I think is actually an in, inroad to you know, help the family business because his father, you know, skipped, skipped that. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's, it's um, how we tried to do it. was actually these very like strong women who like, you know, have been great, like they're happy to play those roles. I think his, Ms. Danny's wife, you know, she's not lying when, of course, she's like, you know, moping about or like complaining about how it was very hard to raise kids by herself, which I'm sure it was three kids. And she's like, I don't even remember it, but I think she's, there's almost like a pride, like the whole family has a pride in supporting you know their his her husband or their their father it's like this thing that then you know they come with the job and i think that mentality is you know maybe more thing in the past in the u.s or maybe just different culture in japan there's still this like these these like specific gender roles and it's unfair sometimes i mean my generation and people like me who like have seen the outside um find it sometimes unfair but i think still here like not everybody even the women feel like that's like an issue like they kind of have embraced it and have different ideas of what they're supposed to do so that's always like you know different cultures have different ideas about that but i think yeah especially with like the sexist stuff with the field and stuff it's good that this like society in recent years have been like that's ridiculous <laughs> like 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 let her on the field and things like that which i find hopeful you know depends way behind with a lot of that stuff, but. Um, it's nice to see some some small changes.
0: One thing that uh, that wasn't really touched on in the film—it's—it's it's touched on kind of briefly at the end when Koshien is is taking place. Um, And, and you allude to it a little, a little bit earlier as we talk about that, that culture shift. Um, but is the idea of like pitch counts and, uh, working kids really hard. And, and that feels like this, this other place where there's this real internal, um, conversation going on. And I, and I don't get the sense of whether it's an internal conversation in japan or if it's something that like americans project onto japan and say you're overworking your kids they throw 200 you know so um i'm kind of curious what the perspective was like on that um as someone who embedded yourself uh with like these handful of teams
1: right and i think you know Maybe before this film, if people in the U.S. knew something about Japanese high school baseball, it was this fact that, like, they overthrow the pitchers. And maybe that's why Matsuzaka hurt his arm later. And these kind of, like, news. And I think, uh, hopefully, at least this film, I mean, all of that is true, I'm sure to an extent. But, like, this film kind of shows the more holistic picture of, you know, what goes into this whole culture that's gone on for 100 years. And the kind of emotions and, you know, passion behind it that leads to some of, you know, these, like, the extremity of it is for better or for worse part of the sport and so at least i feel like the film shows you know that side of things but yeah i mean i think especially in the past couple of years again there's been also in japan a lot of um outcry debate about like the fact that these kids are throwing too much um but it's funny because like like on the one side there's debate and like rules that are like okay let's do like 500 pitches like limit like (laughs) it's not like 50 or something in california this those are being tested but you know the year we filmed the 100 tournament um you know we feature him you know yoshida this pitcher like from his regionals to the finals of Koshien, he still like fifteen hundred pitches in yeah. you know the span of a few weeks. So and people loved it. Like that's why, like everybody was rooting for him. It was like it was almost not an option for him to like not throw in the finals. I mean, who like the not only would the would his team not allow that, but the country would have been like devastated if that had happened. So we're kind of like it's you know we're, we're speaking out of like both sides of our mouth in a way. I feel and I think yes, like there should be rules to like make sure. Especially the kids, like who are going to have futures, make sure they're not going to ruin their their like lives. Even though you know you heard you say you Hikuchi, who's now in at the Seattle Mariners, be like, I didn't even care if this was my gonna be my last game. Which I mean, that's why I think the adults have to like. You know, like because the kids would always feel that way, so it's like up to the adults to like make sure that doesn't happen at the same time. For so many of the kids, like 90% of the kids, are, you know, th- this is the end, like they will never play baseball again, whether in you know college or in the post. So, this is all they have, and I think there has to be considerations that if that's it for you. Um, you don't want to like not be able to throw in the most important game of your life, you know, because of, the, of this rule. And then as long as it's a single elimination tournament, like unless major changes happen, like all of that, there'll be, there'll be issues. So it's like more than just about the pitch game. But I think now, you know, even you saw it in, Sasaki, who coached Otani, who didn't overthrow him, he knew that Otani was gonna peak years, years after the time that he was in his jurisdiction. Like the coaches, up there, turned the turned out he was right. <laughs> 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 the, the coaches are, you know, g- gaining that responsibility more. We're done with like this post-war era coaches, like the kamikaze pilot, former kamikaze pilot guy who's like, "Your arm hurts." Like, well, what? You're not dead, you know. This type of mentality <laughs> is gone. So I think there is changes, but I think it's important to like. I mean, I think. You know, it's harder to understand in the U.S., but it's like just part of a bigger di- discussion, and it's happening in Japan at this point. Although it probably doesn't seem like enough yet, for like a, a, from like the U.S. side.
2: So, I you've talked about Otani, you've talked about Kikuchi, um, and and we've mentioned Sasaki and Mizutani. I'm curious those those guys revere Sasaki so much, you can just tell from the interviews and the doc. Um, I'm curious how these guys become who they are how, like what is the pathway for becoming one of these managers one of these coaches for high school baseball because it seems like Sasaki has had so much success and a lot of major league players have played for him so it builds up his sort of reputation um i'm just curious as to how you get that career path because it seems like such a important position in the lives of these young men and um how does a school how does a different prefecture entrust that to these different people
1: yeah um actually every high school baseball coach has to be a high school teacher they're all they're like main like they have to be a teacher like they have to have the credentials to teach in, in high school and actually all the both of the coaches you saw like teach like they're like history Japanese history teachers actually both of them um, and actually Mizutani um is beyond that he's like one of the he's like kind of like a vice principal role as well which has happened recently as he's you know, in his fifties. But so that is a, is a requirement. It's not just like, you know, I feel like in the U S like a youth baseball is taught by like, like a a dad or like, you know, people who obviously have different, (laughs) different jobs. This is like, so it's, again, it's like, it goes back to the idea that it's part of education. And so I think, if you want to become a high school baseball coach, you, you have to become a teacher. And then um, I mean, even Sasaki at first, like, you know, you know, he's he, you know, went to that school in his early twenties and there was already a coach. So you have to kind of wait for opportunities like that coach didn't do so well. You know, Sasaki was teaching like badminton, I think, or softball. I can't remember, <laughs> like for, for the first year and then, you know, he had to help like an opportunity to help out and then you know people like kind of he gained reputation that maybe he's going to be good so it takes a few years and you just get it mizudani you end up in that school nowhere near where he grew up or his hometown or you know where he went to school because he just got that opportunity so um but first and foremost you have to be a teacher which i'm sure is might be a surprise i've never shared that (laughs) i guess there's so much (laughs) to put in the film and you can't put every fact but that that's one of them
0: Yeah, well, that was, that was one thing that struck me a lot is just like how much these, these men were, um, felt like life coaches right as much as just like like baseball coaches absolutely Um, i would
2: not be taking life advice from 95 percent of the coaches that coached me growing up in baseball
0: (laughs) yeah if i if i knew that maybe they actually were like allowed to legally allowed to teach me i think i might take them a, a little bit more seriously um and it's so it's so fascinating i think the role that they uh they take on too Um, because, because both of the coaches that, um, that you focus on in the film, both admit, they say, you know, ultimately the responsibility falls on me. Right. And, and I think that that's not necessarily, um, something that you might hear most American coaches admit, right. It's always, it's, it's always a team failure. And, um, but like, it was like the buck stopped with the the coaches right they they felt like they had failed the players if um if they didn't get far enough and i thought that perspective was very i don't know it was it was very mind blowing to um to put it crudely
1: yeah i mean and not only i feel like of course the coaches and i think that goes with that's like a typical like every coach but also i think it's like a japanese trait like i feel like a lot of people just feel very responsible about their jobs, their roles in a way that I don't see as much in the U S like wh- whatever the job is like this, like often like pride and kind of like a full responsibility mentality about what that job is and and I think it was amazing for me to see that not only in the adult coaches but for example the captain character who's like 18 years old supposed to like he's like the captain of the team and it's so so much responsibility he's feeling about you know taking care of the team and you know he's I feel like it's instilled you know and also though we feature the captain but then there's like other kids that are not as good as at baseball and on the team but they're fully in charge of like teaching the freshmen, like, how to behave, like, how to say good morning, like, there's different roles, and all of these kids are, like, like dealing with this as though it's, like, a matter of life and death, like, this role, um, you know, how to sweep, you know, like, the different, how to clean the toilets, we didn't put that scene in, but, like, literally they're teaching the kids. <laughs> and so I think, yeah, like, it's kind of um definitely something that we, we highlight, you know, it's like, and it's also, again, beyond just high school baseball. Also, might I add that, you know these coaches; they're not just in charge of like the baseball and like trying to get to Koshien and life advice. All of that happens, but you know their the the kids' futures. You know if they're going to if they want to go to college. You know it's kind of like on the like the coach's job also as their high school baseball coach to like guide them, help them. You know, you no, know, not only help their studies but like find paths like get them into good universities based on like recommendations of what kind of person they are on the team so it's really like they, the, that support goes beyond like the arena of high school and also just like just like it, you know and these people are coming back You know, like, they say hi to the coaches not just the major leaguers like so many people come say hi tell them like now i'm working here like i have a kid like it's kind of like a lifelong relationship for a lot of them
0: I really shudder to think what a documentary crew would find if they followed around me and my high school baseball team. It would it would not be a collection of people that are nearly as mature as the well, one I, you followed around. I
2: was going to say like it's such a wide purview for these coaches. It makes so much sense as to why they have to think so in those metaphorical terms. Like I just I the one thing the lasting thing for me among many things, but the lasting kind of beautiful thing for me is the the metaphor of the wires on the tree and holding it back versus trying to find a time to cut those wires off and let it grow. It's just like, that's That was too perfect. Yeah, I know. You must have been, when you heard that, you must have been like, that's going in the film right there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, Sasaki, who's Otani and Yusei's coach, like, he he loves bonsai. Like, he's like this, like, guy who draws inspiration from not just baseball. So, you know, um, not like he's gardens. Like, I learned so much from gardening. You know, he's like, learned from, like, businesses that are successful and like reading books about how they like increase the efficiency. Like he's really like like the new generation of coaches that are like not just like following what's always been, but really trying to figure out even better ways to coach the game. And yeah, like I mean that was like I I had I knew that he was gonna have something great to say about his bonsai. (laughs) Like he was he's never like spoken about like it was so hard actually, you know, after the media attention they got out of Otani, which was almost Oh, you say first, which is like over 10 years ago. Now he really kind of shut himself off to a lot of media, even in Japan. And so it was like a a, a work in progress, to like get him to let us do, do this. Of course, it helped that his, his mentor, who is the other coach, asked personally and things like that. But once we were in, he was, it was a gradual process. And one morning that was probably like 6am, you know, because practice starts at 7 um when he was you know you know uh, watering his his plants and i was just like this i feel like this is it and then he just like spoke like words of wisdom like <laughs> wow. like poetically um you know and it was it was one of the most amazing moments of the film of the of the filming for sure
2: yeah and and you can totally understand why he would feel that way given like just how intense it must be to be at koshian and and to know that with with the media attention On Otani, even though they lose and he throws 100 miles per hour and he's obviously so overcome with emotion, crying, you can see it in the film, with all of these cameras in his face, I can imagine how someone who cares that much about his relationship with the kids that he coaches would want to kind of shut that down a little bit. Um, I I do have a couple more questions for you, Emma, and then we'll let you go. Um, I wanted to ask about the environment at the actual tournament, the size of the crowd and the composition of the, the crowd and kind of what that feels like because we get such such a rich look at the teams and um, you know, a close look at the kids, like when they're coming in and out of the field and um, when they win or when they lose. And I, I just wanted to know about, because knowing what it feels like to go to an American baseball game, where it's very leisurely. You're sitting back, you're eating your food, you're eating your ice cream. You have a bunch of kids running around yelling and you're spitting your sunflower seeds. I wanted to ask about some of the differences at Koshien just with the size of the crowd and who's there and how that crowd feels.
1: Yeah. So, Koshien Stadium actually, you know, besides those two weeks in the summer, is the home of one of the most more popular professional teams, the Hanshin Tigers. So they they play there, you know. So it's like you know a, a fifty thousand plus capacity stadium that the pros like evacuate for the goes couple of weeks so the high school baseball is can play. So it's like this this system. Um, that's how like that's how much status that that high school baseball tournament has, but um yeah I mean it's it's I was like of course I've been to major league games and I know what it's like to watch a game in the U.S. there's like nothing like that here um I mean there's like a lot of um constant cheering so there's like songs I mean we we try to show a little bit of that with like they have these like clappers and there's like songs that Chance that you do, depending on the player that's up or the situation. That's like you're constantly on your feet if you're part of like the team sport. Of course, there's areas where you can, you know, you don't have to literally stand up and cheer, but it's not like relaxing. I mean, you can eat, you know, this food, but it's like you, you can't, you know, you're you really are supposed to like focus, and you're not like supposed to do much else. Yeah. Um, and it's like very close not supposed loud, to Instagram no live
2: or Facebook live from the crowd. <laughs> I,
1: mean, I mean, you could, but it's like, <laughs> like, it's so, in, it's, it's very intense. And, you know, for, for Koshi and I think um, four games a day, at least in the early rounds and they start at like 8am and they go throughout the day and, And you know the popular games. You know if you if you're not there by like six a.m. like the finals, like you can't get in. Like it's sold out. Like it's really hard to like get some of the games. Um, of course it's all broadcast live, so there's like in the area and across the country, everybody's like kind of good in front of their TV screen. But inside it's like yeah, it's very loud. Like when I went to first game of major league baseball i was just like what 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 is going on like why is there no one to, like think, okay let's go like it's like no no like calls like i'm just sitting there like not knowing what to do and everybody seems to be okay with that you know that's so a very different environment and that goes not to do with high school but the pros as well i mean if if you love baseball i feel like i mean obviously after this this pandemic but it's like it would be like a true cultural experience to come to like a japanese baseball game
0: Yes, well, it's a, it's literally a lifelong dream of let's
2: mine. Let's <laughs> put that on the podcast bucket list. Okay, I have one final question for you, Emma. And uh, I, I appreciate your time so much. Um, this has been great to talk to you. Um, I wanted to ask about the cinematography for a second, if we could. It's such a It's such a beautifully shot film. It's so personal. And just the way that you just get right in there with the kids and everything. I wanted to ask about what what it was like to plan for that and then what it actually looked like when it took shape, when you got there with the camera, how people adjusted to it and how you envisioned making just these winter crummy baseball fields look so beautiful.
1: Yeah, no, I mean the cinematographer, Michael Comet, I went to college with him and, you know, he's done such amazing work prior to this film, but you know, he, he is an American, like, like very, very tall, guy who'd never been to japan he landed like two days before we started filming you know he was a he played baseball he loves baseball but didn't know you know much about japan or japanese baseball prior to this project and he just dived in. he was here for i think a total of four months um you know through the spring and summer so you know imagine like this like me you know i speak obviously speak japanese but then this other guy who's like we were very foreign very like visible trying to like blend in <laughs> trying to be like don't worry don't worry about <laughs> us like <laughs> Go about your day. Yeah. Um, of course that doesn't work at the, at the beginning um but we were there you know for so that's why we have to be there for so many days i mean i think total with all the schools we were we were studying for like a hundred days but by by the by the seventh day you know people are used to us being there they're like you know maybe often like because michael doesn't speak japanese they started to like talk to me as though like people don't understand anyway although of course like in the film, they'll be translated. But I think there's like this mentality of like letting their guard down because like, don't know he can't understand anyway, type of a thing, um, which I think really worked. And, you know, we just tried to, by the time those important scenes where kids could get emotional, you know, sensitive scenes, we just wanted to make sure we had the relationship with them, that they weren't going to, you know, hide that or have to like run away to cry, like because they felt uncomfortable with us. That was something we really worked towards. But I think actually having Michael who, had this total outsider but he was like amazed like look at those shoes they're so lined up perfectly like look at this this you know like uh, and he had so many comments about it which I really you know made sure we included that perspective it was also what why I was drawn to that subject as I mentioned before but I think his fresh perspective on like the shock and like you know and also questions like some of the more tough questions like I would be like coach like Michael just wants to know like why you're like so tough on the kids so I was like you know <laughs> like, so, like, ask, like, that's like that yeah. like, the kids are like you know could I could like you know and I would be like you know Michael like our American audience really needs to understand this from scratch and then like I would get answers in a way that I feel like regular Japanese films or like projects can't because everybody's assumed things and it's like hard to get people to talk about it from the beginnings so I think not only the the debut and you know the Michael being able to capture like Perfectly, these like things that he found so captivating, but like his presence, you know, along with like you know the the other crew, like really, I used you know we used our advantage to like kind of have this like outsider perspective, but also you know I I knew also the insider perspective and really like playing between the two.
2: Yeah, well, I I think it worked so incredibly. It felt like you weren't even there in those really emotional moments, which I think really it it just made it heightened them that much more. Emma, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, the yeah. film is Koshien, Japan's Field of Dreams. It aired on ESPN. We hope that it re-airs many more times on ESPN. And we hope that everyone listening will go to find it on their preferred streaming platform. Thank you so much, Emma. We really appreciate it. Yeah,
1: thank you. Thank you, guys love it when it's like this re- deep over there. The dice
0: games, the car shows, broads everywhere. New paper freaking me off. My workout's me. Spending hours in the koozie clicking channels on the screen. Miss chin, full body rub. hopes to that stuff. Got a mama club, Shirts off. Dancing through the club.
2: Thank you to Emma again. Thank you to you for listening to this podcast. Thank you to you, Alex Baisley, for sitting down and recording a, a second pod with me this week. We're just churning them oh out, baby. Turning and burning. July 4th coming up. People need more podcasts I guess (laughs) I mean the country is
0: reopening so why not
2: yeah as you're in your Uber on your way to your bar ask the Uber driver for the aux pop in a little tipping pitches (laughs) yo dude you hear about this doc Koshien (laughs) Uh, like we said at the beginning of the podcast uh, keep your eye out if it airs again on ESPN because it is so incredibly worth your time if you like this show I cannot imagine that you will not like this documentary so Uh, Keep your eye out for that. And like I said, we will share when it becomes available to uh, rent or buy on streaming services. Uh, We will be back at our normal day on Monday um, with more fun conversations with other people not named Alex and Bobby. So stay tuned for that. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen to a second episode this week.
0: Thanks so Yesterday I asked Phoebe if
2: she was ready to watch all sixty Mets games with me this year. So like I think like her decision to move to LA flashed before her eyes. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can't go anywhere. I know you're not doing anything else tonight.
2: Hot beats for the
0: street, let everybody know, beat rockin', on to me, And In every gym, every rock, we rockin', I stop, represent, show love Every time we drop, cash in for the wins, my man, he lights it, see?